Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Uh, my name is Breed O'Donovan and I'm not Owen O'Sullivan. Filling in for Owen because he's sick this week and I'm joined by Rosalind Steer. Hello. Hello. Uh, Roz is based here in Cork and she's many things but she's a music maker and she's one third of two Cork-based bands called Morning Veils and Crevice and she also produces her own music and releases it. She's half of Can't Cope. Uh label yeah. uh with mary kelleher you also produce the odd music video too as oh, well yeah. oh yeah you forgot about that oh and you're a phd student aren't you that's so you're a bit of everything one. that's the one that i'm doing the most all the time a lot <laughs> <laughs> that sarcastic Sponsored by irish research council thanks for the money <laughs> shout out <laughs> um so all in all you're a talented lady and you got your fingers in lots of pies um so i want to start off by asking you like i suppose how you first got into music Maybe, I suppose, through listening and playing, um, um, a little bit of both, and maybe how you're introduced to it, if you can recall. I suppose from uh, birth. Uh, my mom has lots of choirs, so we're always singing a lot in the house, and she got us into recorder and like piano, classical. Piano would be the first thing that I took sort of seriously, and then I took a notion that I wanted to play jazz and decided that double bass would be the best way to do that. That was at a young age? Uh, about 16 by then. Mm-hmm. And then. That's quite cool. I mean, I think if we were to compare musical tastes, <laughs> when I was 16, <laughs> it would not compare. <laughs> but maybe I also not. liked shite bands. Yeah. Then. But yeah, I listened to a lot of Nina Simone and Tom Waits. And then I think Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, was probably the first jazz album I had. I thought it was wicked. I thought it was really cool. How were you like exposed to that music? Like, was there someone introducing you to it, or was it something that, from your education, you gravitated towards? Uh, I guess friends say uh, one of my friends, Julia. She plays music, music up in Dublin now. Uh, she, we used to like. I think we actually became friends in first year because we both liked Destiny's Child in the canteen queue. I think the conversation was like, "Hi, are you in first year? Do you like Destiny's Child?" And I said, "Yes," and "Yes." <laughs> and then we were friends as a Jesse Israel fan both past and present I understand that <laughs> so I don't know jazz maybe through Julia was getting into saxophone listening to a lot of jazz and I was starting to play jazz piano a good bit as well my sister did a project on Nina Simone and I stole all of her CDs um, my brother's friends hanging around listening to Nirvana and stuff say people like Key Nugent was in my class at school so mm. He would give, he was in a ska band with Julia, funnily, they were super. But he would give her, like, Velvet Underground and Richard yeah. Helm the Voidoids and stuff. And I would steal them from her. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's how. And then went to college and it was all classical piano bass, classical piano jazz bass. And you studied in? UCC. UCC. Cork, yeah. And then one day I was studying for my Irish finals, and Kevin Terry sent me a message. He was in my jazz class. And he's like, hey, do you want to play bass in my pop band? And I was like, I don't really play bass or pop, but sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? And so that was a huge learning curve. Was that the first time, I suppose, you were playing kind of maybe original music? Yeah. I'd like. I think me and Julia had like a made-up band in fourth year for school that sang about bagels and shit. Like, really shite stuff good one though and 
Yeah, so then I joined St. Yorda with Kevin and Paul O'Reilly. And yeah, that was a huge learning curve, even using an electric instrument and getting sound through amps, you know, the sound isn't, you're not making the sound with your fingers. But I think it still stood me in good stead that I learned to play acoustic first. Most people start an electric bass and go to acoustic. Mm. But I did the other way around. It's quite, yeah, it was good for me, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, that just got me into making music and, like, mixing with other people in the city making music, which I didn't really do that much before. I did the odd improv thing. Yeah, I suppose once you're in a band, you're kind of, you know, on the circuit and you're more exposed to other creatives and other people making music. and it kind of gives you confidence, like, yeah, totally. I try that too. Um, How long were you in St. Ordover? Years. (laughs) (laughs) Many, many years. Two or three years. Yeah, because I remember when I moved back to Cork from Limerick, I think I caught you in the PAV when I was photographing, I think, for We Are Noise, I think, Mm -hmm. and... That would have been, when did I start? I graduated in 2011, so that would have been 2012 was when I was started taking photographs of bands in Cork. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I know I have yeah photographs of E from then. And then you finished up, was it last year or the year before? Year before. Wow, time goes. Or even, that was like, I'd just gone up to Dublin <laughs> to start my PhD. We're really just like heard. thinking out loud now, aren't we? <laughs> it's just mad how time goes Calendars like that. with Breed and Rod. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, was that last year? An amount of time ago. Many moons. Many St. Yorda moons. Yeah. Good moons. Very formative and enjoyable moons. So yeah. then you started through St. Yorda, you're saying, like, I suppose you gained confidence in yeah. I making music. Yeah. And like, did you start writing your own then? Yeah, or? I started writing... I wrote one or two tunes for St. Yorda and I had, I'd picked up almost all my musical equipment is borrowed or stolen from my family. So my brother had taken a guitar from him and I was just kind of messing around with that a bit as well. I suppose the difference, I, I used to kind of, see, to see myself as a music maker, which even at the start of St. Yorda I didn't really believe that was true, even though I did it all the time, I played lots of jazz, I, I didn't, I saw myself as a bassist, one of the best things that, that came from St. Yorda, for me, was that, was that when it was over, it was like, oh, well, clearly I'm not going to stop making music. It wasn't going to be in that way anymore, but I was, it wasn't even a question by then. Yeah. Which, you know, had St. Yorda not come along, if Kevin hadn't been like, oh, that's that weird jazz girl, I probably wouldn't have. I would have still played music yeah. all the time. And I used to make weird things at home on my computer, whichever way I could. But well, you wouldn't have thought of that as a I just thought of as, it as a, a hobby. Yeah. I was kinda like, Oh, just mess around with this and oh look what happens when you press this effect. That's funny. Yeah. I had some friends who were into like being classical composers, so I was like, Oh, maybe I'd do some composition but for college or whatever. Yeah. And did some like sound art modules but it was just for the crack like. It's still for the crack. Serious crack. And then I suppose you were saying like all the way along you were I suppose maybe writing and producing your own music but like weren't really releasing it? No, I'd put it up like yeah. on SoundCloud or on Facebook and you know friends would like it and that's kind of all I you know, was looking for. It's still the most important thing to me is that somebody you respect goes oh that's really cool Yeah, and you're like oh great it's still a good marker. A do I like it and B do these people like it. Yeah, I suppose I find that with, I suppose, photography as well, like there's some, like I always find it interesting, even if when you look back on something you've, a set of photographs or maybe a set of tracks you yeah. produced a year ago, how you view it now compared to how you viewed it at the time. Yeah. Because in that year you've, you know, progressed. And I always find it interesting that like the few I would have selected as the best 
of that bunch now I would go back and have a completely different point of view I always find that really really interesting and then it's also when you put that out there and what people say about the photographs and how they respond to photographs individually where you're like I never would have seen that because I'm looking at something different yeah I think it's a great process and you're producing something with no intention whatsoever of the public ever of any sort of stranger not even the public just a stranger somebody you don't know ever looking at it you tend to go at it with a greater sense of freedom Mm. Um, and so sometimes I listen back to this from the first tracks I made I'm like dad those are mad those are totally off the wall in a good way yeah Yeah. how did I do that no idea Uh, it's interesting isn't it it's good to listen to those because it gives you kind of confidence and focus I think to be like well it doesn't matter what people think really at the end of the day because even if everyone hated it no one ever bought anything I'd still probably be happy out in my room so the happy out part is going to be there I'd know unless I lose my hands or something that would be really really bad I'm sure you'd find a way (laughs) probably probably I would Um, (laughs) one thing that strikes me about you is that I feel like you're the kind of person that is probably producing music yourself and maybe not releasing all of it like it's something that you just do perhaps I suppose we have like touched on it but I think it's an interesting process like what you choose to release and what you choose maybe not to release and then how that changes say when you release a track your perception of that track how it changes and how it alters and I you know wonder if you have any kind of experience with that yeah I guess I'm a terrible one for getting bored and then just throwing up a load of tracks that I might have worked really hard on on SoundCloud and at like two in the morning and nobody sees them I make a video three people watch it and I won't care and I'll just do that because it's fun yeah why I make music some things yeah I'll send to friends and never develop and some things but I mean you might say if I was to release something say something physical like a tape yeah then you're thinking of what works in the project as a whole so you might have some tracks that you love but they don't fit in that package or some tracks that you just made with slightly more frivolously or freely and you're like oh no but that sounds great with these I'll put them together and maybe another one like say that's still moving tape I Mm. did the first can't go one the second side those tracks were all over the course of like I just selected them from things I'd made over the last two or three years like yeah. to see what ones that would work there and in what order I'm like I'm a freak about orders that things come in curating your thing yeah it's an interesting like I suppose process and it's a big undertaking you're editing yeah, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of you know you have to be strict with it and you have to kind of although it depends once you have once you know what this release is going to represent I suppose it only takes guts. I mean, it's so inevitable that it doesn't take guts. You know what I mean? Do you think? As in, in what way now? In the way that I tend to just think of like projects as little entities or ideas. I'll just have an idea and I'll be like, I'm going to do that. So like, I'm going to make a weird tape and then I'm just definitely going to do it. Like, and once some, like, you know, I might have it bubbling for a while. Yeah. But I'm like that with everything. Like, I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to buy a double base. I'm going to. So that's where, like, we are probably very different in that I probably would overthink it so much that I might not even do it. Or it would take me a long time to make it come to fruition. Whereas, I suppose, your ethos is quite healthy in, in that you're like, okay, let's do this. Let's get it out yeah. and then move on. I think that's a I great get, yeah, way to work. Kevin Terry pointed out, and he's like, I like things that end. You just get it. And I suppose it, does, it just means that it's just going to drive you nuts if you don't do it. If you That's have an true. idea and I don't do it, it will haunt me forever. <laughs> and sometimes they're not always good ideas, you know. Sometimes I have terrible ideas and I do them anyway. But Yeah, but you learn from you it. Learn. And the great thing about the city is that you can have an idea and there'll be wonderful people around who go, yeah, you should do that idea. I'll help you. Would you like any help with your idea? Like, And are really open to it. 
ideas of all different kinds and are very good at spotting a good idea and carrying it through. I think it's one of the things that makes Cork a Absolutely. great city, is that people in different contexts, different genres, different people that might never go for a pint, but they both be like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea, we should do that. Yeah. Or I'll help you out with that because it's a good idea. I think that's what we were just talking about this before the podcast that um I think that's what makes Cork more of a town than a city because it's a lot more close-knit like that you know there's a community yeah. there where we're all just a little bit yeah. I suppose I've never connected. made music really anywhere else so I have nothing to compare yeah to. I was in Dublin for like nine months and didn't really I played like two open mic nights and did one little gig just because Morning Vales got asked to do it and we couldn't work out the travel so I just did some of my own songs but then I didn't go to gigs, I didn't, I was living out in the suburbs, so it would be unfair of me to be like, oh, it's really hard to get into the scene, because it's not like mm. I wasn't in the spaces being like, hi, I'm Roz, do you want to be in a band? <laughs> you know, I don't know, so maybe that's just the way artistic communities are, maybe that's, I don't know, whatever. You find each other inevitably. Weird. Let's talk about Morning Vales. Okay. So it's yourself, it's Elaine Howley and Ashley Reardon, and yes. you just played a gig um, last week in yeah. Live at St. Luke's. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? It was quite an interesting setup, but I think people would like to hear about it. Okay, so we were very lucky that Joe Kelly let us use the space. We kind of had this limited capacity, like 40 people, so it was going to be small and intimate. And so we had it on the stage, which is built over the altar. They weren't allowed to like get rid of the altar, so they just built the stage over, <laughs> which is super intense, on the altar. And then, yeah, we just got chairs, like armchairs and whatever chairs were around things for sitting on blankets and kind of made it comfortable. And it was great. You know, Joe came the day before and helped us set up and gave us loads of ideas. He's another guy that, like, you know, he sees a good idea and he's like, yeah, that's cool and gets really into it. Cahill McGowan was doing sound for us and he came the day before as well and spent ages, like, setting it up in a way that would sound good from all the different angles, which is super as well, like, to get all that help. And then... Yeah, we just stood, like like kind of like the way we practice, we, we like to be able to, everyone to be able to see each other. Played one gig once where I couldn't see Elaine and it was terrifying, you know, like we need, we like to be able to see each other because all, all three of us, like, so then there's people around us so that everybody in the audience hopefully could see some of everybody and hear, get a good sense of the sound. Yeah, and then it was just all really intimate, like it was really, because everyone's on the same, we're not up on a stage or on the mm. same level and it's circular so there's people behind you you know people sitting like right by your leg and but there's people up on the stage thing above you is mad great one super and it kind of gives you because the sound in there is incredible and the like the space felt comfortable and fe- it felt it gave, gave it the sense of occasion that you kind of you feel like you have to bring a performance to I mean obviously we're, every gig we're going to try our best but it, you kind of need to merit the occasion you don't want to mm-hmm. set up all this stuff and then be timid about it you know so yeah, it was good. Brilliant. Ring smash during Bring Out Your Dead. I didn't know that till afterwards, but that was probably a shame for her and her ring, but very cool. I was talking to Ashling, I think a couple of weeks back, and she mentioned that I think that you had a conversation or you were talking about your performances being, I suppose, like rituals. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. And I found that with the recorded version of Bring Out Your Dead, that it sounds very different to how I've heard it before. It sounds different on the album to me. And I just wondered, like, if you could explain, I suppose, well, to me and to everyone listening about what Morning Vales are. Like, what's your objective as a band? Like, not, I know it's kind of a big question, but I suppose, why you started it? Yeah, like. with the ritual and ended with, why are Morning Vales a band? (laughs) (laughs) What's it all about? Here is a million questions. I'd answer them right now. I know, Um, but I just thought that was a, a, a brilliant and very unique idea that about the performance and about ritual and about your sound 
um, I suppose in a way all performances has kind of this ritual element to it because here are some things I learned at college <laughs> but like you know you, you you're going into this I can just hear all my ex-classmates laughing at me as I speak. <laughs> what a nerd but you go into this it's like it's like a liminal space so if you're on stage or doing performance you and so we did it in a very literal way in the church we like set up Joe put this circle of light of like rope lights around us and it immediately set out like a space for us and and you go into this space and whether it's a f- literal physical space or just a different mindset where suddenly you are performing and some people other people are not you know it's not like a you're you're sli- you're somewhere else to to where the audience is mm. and you have to go somewhere else and you're performing songs which are going to bring you lots of different places and lots of different ideas and emotions and lots of different energies between you and the people in the band or and then so you go into there and you're hoping to sort of change something you know you're going to want to change the atmosphere in the room you want to change how the audience are experiencing time and sound and space and ideas and you so you're in there kind of mucking around with time and space and energies and things and then afterwards it takes a while you know you might notice it like most people in bands most performers you know, after the gig is over especially in places where there's no like backstage or anything you, you're busy yourself that's a lie you know we don't have to take our gear away immediately you just don't want you can't it's like walking through a circle of fire again like out into people like you have to kind of fizzle down a bit and it's the same like with any performance you have to do like anyone who's a teacher if they go up and teach the class they're doing this like ritual thing or if you go there's some like coming of age ceremonies and they send adolescents out into the woods they send them outside the community and they're in this liminal space and then they have to come back and rejoin the community again. It's the same, like, whether you're being an artistic performer or any kind of performer. You go to work and you're like, you are a sandwich lady now. And there's a little bit of performance in that, you know, you have to, you know, I feel like shit, hi, how are you, how are you today? And then you come home from work, you're like, you know, nothing worse than coming out of work and seeing a few of your customers, like... Yeah, like straight away, you kind of just want to, you know, you want like five minutes with a cup of tea, or that's so. I guess I've been farting on for ages now. I can't remember where I started. (laughs) Um, I knew this would happen. I I should have sent somebody else. So, I guess that's the ritual thing. Yeah, and then with um, morning bells, like, I guess your sound and yeah, hook onto that a bit. And so, say, there's costume involved. There's wearing a veil, and there's you know, say songs. Like Bring Out Your Dead or songs like Hiveless Bee, they're quite performative, um, de- like definitely into making different spaces, different. And then that to a greater or lesser degree with every song. I guess, yeah, we enjoy that, I think, all of us, that making something special, you know, candles and bells and stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> chimes. Yeah, I'm just surprised by the release. It just sounds so different in a good way. I mean, I'm not saying in a bad way. It just sounds more tribal. Is that a good way to describe it? And I'm I'm not sure how how that came about or anything, but um, it just sounds great. It sounds unique, and it just sounds really fresh. Well, I guess if you're going to make a record, you know, we do, you, you can try and recreate the live energy. You know, so I find it a weird thing to think about a lot, like recording versus live performances. You know, you can get really extreme things like big pop shows, like Justin Bieber. Say we were like kind of recreating the music video, 
and mm. everyone wants the dancers and yeah. the shows and your live show is recreating the record and the recorded and then the other thing where you won't go in there no I want the energy from I want it to sound live I want it to, uh, let's all just record it live so uh, we, we did different things we had loads of help Dan Walsh produced the record and he did super job yeah he just invests in the project as if it's his own and we got a lot of that from all the people helping us which is such a cool gift to give you know to, to actually give the time and attention to a thing and, and, and care about it that much and he did a a great job for us just because he cares and so that's cool and yeah making the record you know you have opportunities to make weird sounds that you might not be able to make live or have more tracks or play with different sounds and effects so why not like why absolutely why lie says she just because sometimes i talk about completely the opposite and be like why would i record something on it but anyway that's what i'm gonna say now today cup of tea this is my opinion today but it may change tomorrow (laughs) all tweets my own so what's the next year going to bring for Morning Bells? Are you going to do more gigs and things like that? I don't know. I, I want guess. more gigs. <laughs> uh, yeah, more, more fun at making music. I have to check my crystal ball, see what rituals we'll come up with next. But yeah, just keep going, I guess. Yeah. It seems like from the outset, like a very kind of organic process between the three of you that you work quite well together and that yeah. you kind of aren't under the illusion or the pressure to perform every couple of months that you need to keep people's interest yeah. it's just that you're kind of working solidly and if the opportunity arises you take it and you perform but yeah I guess we all take pride in doing a good job and so the ability to do your best job at say a show or a gig it would be like dependent on different things for different people so I'm a freak about where it is and when and we all want each gig to be special so we will take time over yeah what the space is and what the time is and you know, what we're all at, like, because we're all involved in lots of different projects. We're not going to be able to give it the proper time and attention, then that's not fair in your audience. You don't want to do that. And it's not fair in you because you don't have a bad show. So we're lucky to get lots of cool opportunities to do nice shows and nice venues and, you know, get time to put something special together, to give it that ritual thing and makes, you know, make someone be changed for a second. Absolutely. Your evening if they're just changed for a second, that's cool. And I'd have that experience as as a viewer, like if I go to your gig, it is like that. You do get kind of sucked in and it's almost hypnotic and you kind of go off on your own little trail in your mind. But it's it's brilliant and it's thank you. You're welcome. Um, I was going to ask you again, like I suppose about Crevice, your other band, the other thing they give time to. And that's also with Elaine from Morning Vales and Irene Buck. Yes, I got it right. And how does that differ to Morning Vales? Obviously very different. Yeah, very different. I suppose it's just even instrumentation. It's it's Elaine's playing mostly omnichord vocals and cool pedal trickery things. I think actually my favorite thing about Gravis is none of us are exactly sure what the other two members are, are doing exactly, but everyone seems to make we're just playing off all the cool sounds. It's like being at the dashboard of this mad spaceship. I guess that's how I think. Quite improvised bass. Yeah, we tend to jam away together because it just seems to work that way and then we'll record them and, and see what works and narrow those down into tracks and then work on those and or sometimes you know it's more solid and someone will go oh, I wrote this tune do you want it or I wrote this one part and then you know they'll go away and think about it or jam it out and make new parts um, and Irene will do some magical things with her computers and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it it's just like it's just super super good fun me and Elaine were talking about it one day and it's kind of I suppose in my mind anyway crevice is like outer space mm. underwater 
sci-fi kind of stuff, whereas Morning Veils is like earth and grass and twigs and earthly things, terrestrial stuff. But I felt like that when I, I saw you once with Crevice up at your gaff. It felt like that. It felt like everyone got a little zoned out, but or zoned in maybe is a better term, to ye and what you were doing. And ye were kind of doing the same thing. It was like you're, we're all like yeah. that underwater. You're all very much in control, but on a completely deeper level. It was just mesmerising. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I suppose it's a very kind of soundscape so it's quite immersive, maybe. Mm, is that's a good word. It's quite immersive. And then maybe that's why they turn that improvised nature, because we all just... We get lost in an idea that we've made and just kind of explore that world. Yeah. Get a spaceship for a while and go off and go to a different planet. Is it hard to find other musicians that you can do that with, that you can improvise on a level where, you know, you're just able to do that? Coming from the perspective of I'm not a musician, we'll never play music. Is that something I that... Find, I find it comes easier to me with some people than with others, but I think anyone can improvise together. Hmm. Like, say, you know, those, the Cork Improvised Music Club things that Dan Walsh shows, the amount of musicians who have done that, who may have never played together, and you get some beautiful, beautiful moments out of that. But then, you know, the more time you spend, I'm, a, I suppose, starting in the classical, I love practicing. There is such a thing, you can practice improvising, you know. The more you jam with another person, the more you'll tune into each other, and the more easily it will come. And the same, the more you noodle around on, on your own instrument, really, the more you develop those skills. And I suppose you've been playing with Elaine for quite a while now. And I suppose you're quite tuned in to how each other plays, maybe, on a certain yeah, level. Yeah, I think maybe it's just because we both play quite differently. I from different musical backgrounds. I could never make the music Elaine makes, and she can never do the things that I do. And because it's so different, we're both like, wow, cool, do that again. How did it come about, the band? How did it begin? Gravis? Yeah. Irene asked Elaine, I'm fuzzy about this bit because I didn't exist in that point. I think Irene asked Elaine to jam and loads of crossed wires, very funny. Elaine was like, oh, just a bit like, didn't know what to expect. And I was like, well, sure, I'll go along too for the crack. And I thought we were just, it was on Planet Rise and wasn't. But up and Planet Elaine's Rise. like, what did you bring? And I was like, oh, a notebook. And she's like, not like for making music, what did you bring, <laughs> you goose? And I was like, she didn't say goose. Uh, but uh, so then I ended up playing her since. And now I just play synth in Gravis. And we just, yeah, we just had a jam and it just worked. And both, we all had a very good time. We drank loads of tea. So it happened, yeah, once again, very or- organically. and Yeah. Arose out of nowhere. Style. And you also produced your own solo stuff. Like, how does that all work for you personally? Like, your involvement in the two bands and your own work. Is it just kind of different sides to yourself that you're kind of exploring that you want to get out there? or? <laughs> I guess I just enjoy making music. I suppose if I write a tune, I'll have an idea if it would work for maybe for Morning Veils or maybe like the solo stuff I do live if it's like, if it's, mm. or sometimes I don't know. So say there's like, say Children of Farthing Woods. I've played with Morning Veils and now I played on my solo set mostly recorded there recently for that. So, and then like say like Still Moving, like those are all songs that are fairly, unless I was to make another band kind of, like the first side is all one just soundscape kind of piece and that was like I wanted to make a long form weird droney spoken wordy experimental thing so that's just like 20 minutes half an hour of just that so that was always just going to be that and yeah. then the other side is just songs that like I just have fun recording all the parts of the song and seeing how it comes out and 
get or get an idea the spoken word part of your music like i really enjoy um how did that come about was it just kind of this natural progression or is it something i suppose they're all just i mean yeah i do just aesthetically enjoy that spoken word over music vibe each kind of tends to lend a, a greater power to the other which is cool i just pilfered stuff from my notebooks and stuck stuck them right in there and maybe i suppose music gives you this because you create like an an atmosphere or those otherworldly like it's gonna Mm. it's not as bare as just your voice saying something like you know i could never go to like a poetry recital and read that stuff out of a notebook i'd die of embarrassment like actually just die of embarrassment uh but i could put it in a song uh, yeah, okay. I don't know what it is, um, or the the one for how long that I do with Morning Veils. I love that because Elaine and Ashling are there playing guitar beside me, and that's it feels like such a support to like yeah because we're all playing the same chords and same hand motions, and it's as if it's just like it makes it easier to say say the words. It makes it it's like you have these like two angel bodyguard people beside you. Like, <laughs> well, I'm here as well playing these chords. It's great. I, I love playing that. Um, I want to ask you about, you know, the artwork for Still Moving. Is that your own? Yes, kind of. Uh, yeah. Is that something you created for it or is it just a drawing you had done that you appropriated? It was. I do this like, it's like a long and rambling story, like everything <laughs> in my mind. So I was doing this Tumblr. I do this Tumblr for Morning Veils, just images. It started out being fairly veil based and then wandered away from that and I found I was just on Google image and I sometimes I just go and like put in different words and veil and see if anything cool comes up and so I found this picture of a girl with her face painted and she had this mad expression and thought it was cool so I just put it on the blog I did I put it on my own blog I think I was being more more strict about having veils and she wasn't wearing a veil so I put it on my own tumblr mm-hmm. but I did a, like a little sketch just copying the photo sketched it out stuck it in a scrapbook continue with my life then was like looking through the scrapbook for like images to go on the front is still moving and saw that one I was like oh that's cool and I got a scanner rest in peace scanner <laughs> good time but I had a scanner at the time and I started like scanning in drawings and like kind of a very very crude version of what Paul O'Reilly does beautifully what's on this because I was kind of like how'd you do that and he's like oh, tell me and I was like oh nifty like obviously very skilled and talented illustrator yeah, and I am Roz but I just scanned it in and like kind of went over some lines and did some effects and like brought it into iPhoto and fucked with it and brought it into iDraw and messed with it and then yeah I got the image and then I was like I think someone asked me I was like where did you get that image and I was like where did I get that image and I had to go back and like reverse search it turns out it was the album cover whoops of this band cool band called Wooden Veil so that's how it had come up and I looked them up and they or this, I think they were this like kind of collaborative band that came together in Berlin and just made one album and then all went on their separate ways. But I sent them an email, being like, "Hi, <laughs> I used, you know, if you want me to change the artwork or credit the photographer or whatever, kind of the tape had already been sent off." So I was like, "Please, <laughs> please be okay with this." And didn't hear anything for ages, and I was like, "Yeah, send it off the ground." And then I got this email back, and the guy from the band had forwarded on to Haneo is her name. It's this Japanese woman who's in the band. And it's a picture of her daughter. She dressed her up as a werewolf. And she said that, she just emailed back being like, cool, yeah, great. It's a picture of my daughter. She dressed up as a werewolf. And she was so afraid of her own image that she cried and had to be put in a taxi to school. <laughs> she was so afraid of herself. And when she saw herself in the mirror. <laughs> That's very so cute. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, she was really saying about it. And let me use... I mean, I'm not that accurate a sketcher, so unless you saw the two images side by side, it's not like 
But anyway, that's how that came about. The end. It seems seems very apt. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just like it. It just you know, it's just this rough sketch. But I think there sometimes the best ones where you have less inhibitions and you're just yeah. kind of drawing, and it's not yeah, it's supposed just, to be perfect. You're just kind of going for it. Yeah, it's just this expression. Yeah, I'll send you the photo. It's a it's a beautiful photo if I find it. Yeah, just as kid. And maybe it's because she's freaked like <laughs> freaked out of herself. Yeah. So what are you listening to at the moment? I got the new Matana Roberts record. Coin Coin Chapter 3 recently and that's very good Phil got a lot of Sun Ra on a compilation mm. so we listened to that in the lodge a lot the lodge how apt I think David Lynch fans will like well, <laughs> respond to that beach lodge and just the lodge that's the house in which I live and spend an unhealthy amount of my time leaving to come here was traumatic sorry that's okay <laughs> why I was on I guess what there's definitely lots of music that I listen to. Something it's so hard, like when someone's like, <laughs> "Oh, just do you listen to anything recently, or did you watch anything recently?" You're like, "I have no what idea." Have I been? What has I been doing? What did I do yesterday? The new Mikachu's and the Shapes record is excellent. God, I'm gonna get home and kick myself. I don't know. What's getting spins? That's alright. Sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologize. It's just a question. I thought music. Music. I just listen to my own stuff. Um, Why would you ask me such a thing? And so there's one final little thing about Can't Cope. Do you want to tell everyone what that's about? And Uh, Can't Cope is a project that I run with my friend and dark overlord, (laughs) Mary Kelleher. Very talented lady who is also just, I guess, uh, very good at knowing good ideas and making them into cool things. And she's very good at that. And I think we both enjoy doing that together. So at the moment, the things that we're doing are are tapes. And why why tapes? Tapes, because I was putting out a tape. (laughs) And I said, hey, Mary, do you want to make that can't cope? And she said, yeah. And she made a beautiful video to go with the still moving track it's well worth looking at and yeah i suppose tapes are there's a particular quality to them i can only really say why i like tapes don't know what mary thinks about tapes Mm. presumably she thinks they're badass and cool (laughs) i like that people have to listen to them in kind of weird unusual ways because not everyone has a tape player anymore so you end up listening to it in your car and your weird card speakers and like parts pop out that you've never heard pop out before and i mean that's why you have the digital download too so you're not totally yeah to the wind with that but you know people listen to them like on an old players they haven't played in ages and weird places and they have a particular quality to them which absolutely is yeah particular sound quality which is nice um they're affordable to make so you can put out stuff that's you know i'm gonna make a weird tape and you can afford to just put it out even though no one's ever heard that music from you before where do you get tapes made now we use a company called fairview duplication in england Wow, yeah, because I was like, it's just amazing. Like, ov- like obviously they're still in production, but I presume it's few and far between. Like, there's not many. They are making a comeback. Woo! First it was records, now. supposedly, and now it. Well, I suppose uh, records are super too, but we got to buy pressing plants for that kind of. You know, it's, it's expensive and time consuming, and you know, I'd love to put out records, but I think even if someone gave us a magic wand and we could put out records, I'd still like to put out tapes too, just because I really like them. If you've designed something that you're recording you really have in your mind you, it's got to be a vinyl like the whole way then don't compromise get your vinyl mm-hmm. but that's not always feasible and if you know I think for the last three things I've recorded for tapes I've known from quite early on it's probably going to be a tape so you can have that in mind there's great freedom because you can do exactly what you want okay yeah uh, yeah they're fun um, so 
what are you releasing or what are you so can't cope two just came out the hair kind by morning veils and it's available in plugged in plugged yeah and or you can get it from the can't cope band camp either I suppose it depends on your geographical location and floods and stuff and then can't cope three will be an album from me <laughs> another uh, like the stuff i do live like songs it's done but i need to make tapes um, so it'll be out in due course 2016 <laughs> definitely 2016 it exists you know which is the most important part big announcement from Ross you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't do organising things Can't Cope 4 is underway I think I know just and other worthwhile projects also aside from tapes I think any, any worthwhile project I'd say me and Mary will plot together that's great. It's great yeah, to have like different people to collaborate with because sometimes it's an important thing to do as a creative individual to be able to work with people and bounce ideas. Of, like you kind of work a lot faster and you're able to go further maybe into an idea than what you would have maybe anticipated. It's such a great way to just fully realise different parts different creative sides of yourself and like you're obviously doing it quite well like you know you're like have all these bands and you're doing your own work you're doing can't cope and you do your music videos and i think it's good that you're putting stuff out there like even if you're saying like okay i made a video four people watched it but you know you're still putting it out there and i think sometimes for people that can be a huge step but it's obviously something you don't overthink (laughs) (laughs) i overthink a lot of things but probably not the things I ought to overthink. I think, well, what you said there is, you know, I'm doing quite well, and I am doing quite well just being surrounded by so many people to work with who will care with you about something, which is half the battle, like... Absolutely, um, yeah. Or just give you that, like, you know, am I being ridiculous with this thing? Like, no, keep going, it's great. You know, yeah. just even that, am I being ridiculous? No, okay, well, yes, but keep going. But, you know, that's huge, like... I think a lot of people find that after college, especially if you've gone through something like I suppose I can come from the perspective of going through our college Mm. four years and you have the framework in which to produce work you have. But most of all, and it's only something I realized afterwards, I think we were warned about it, (laughs) was that you just have the people around you, like minded people around you all the time. And they told us, like, we'll you'll never make this amount of work ever again, because, you know, it's just the way the college worked in our specific course, that you're constantly just making, making, making. But it's also that you're constantly in a studio. Mm. That's your full time job for those, you know, five days a week that you're making work and I've kind of realized now is just having creative people and keeping contact with them and keeping them in your life is such a huge just a huge influence on what you do and it's so important and even like you were saying with Kevin Terry if he hadn't been around you and said oh look do you want to be in a band I mean you know somebody else will always be able to come up with something that you could never think of on your own and vice versa and so it's always exciting to collaborate with different people and I find it very difficult to say no that's a good to thing trying, <laughs> to trying something new with somebody new because you know sometimes it doesn't work out and that's fine you know sometimes you do a couple jams with someone and it's not really buzzing it's not you know it's going fine but it's not but that's fine you know that's cool that's just like you you learn something there about what doesn't work i think that's just as valuable and yeah it's always really intriguing it's like a much more rewarding version of tabloids of gossip you find out loads about a person you know it's it's like a experiment you get to like wow look at those sounds that you're making and good you're doing that there like i think i was wine field saying a bit after morning veils because i was like oh man actually i love when you come in she was like what what are you on about roz <laughs> she's talking at me again but you know because she always comes in with something i would never have been able to think of in a million years in my whole life and it's like 
bam, changes direction or lifts the energy or, you know, it's like getting a power up in a video game or something like, whoa, cool. yeah, no, turbo time. press those buttons. I'm like, oh, no, 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 look, it's a totally different beast. Yeah. And then that informs obviously what you're producing yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then someone might see it, you know, you, someone might come to a show and then they might make something or write something and then I might see that and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, the world keeps turning and everything's okay. All is right with the world. Yes. <laughs> when Ashling comes in thank you Ashling for coming <laughs> in well thank you Roz I love your attitude I think it's refreshing I think you know being that open to things and just being like that present is very inspiring and keep up the good work obviously with Morning Veils all your like work can be found on Bandcamp is that true to say? Uh, yeah, you can check out the album on Bandcamp. There's videos on YouTube. And there's also the Facebook page under Morning Veils. Um, yeah, all the no, links. Uh, no, we don't have Facebook. We do have a Twitter. You did have a Facebook though before, didn't you? Not never. Really? No, uh, no sir. Did, am so, I ma'am. making stuff up? I thought you had a Facebook though at one point. No, no. We're big on the Facebook, but we do not have a Facebook. Oh, wow. Uh, no, uh, Breed makes things up once again. have a, a very unhelpful Tumblr and Twitter and YouTube, Bandcamp, Load Records. Oh, you know what? There is a Morning Veils on Facebook, though. Is there? Yeah. Because I remember maybe if I, after I've taken photographs of you, I've tagged it and then realized that is not you. Oh, maybe it's the Morning Veils or someone else. Oh, God, we'll have to crack uh, we, Yeah, we must like look that up now. That's I why I thought throw them off a bridge <laughs> or make friends collaborate and all those how things can... I just said <laughs> yeah. and how can people find Musical Crevice YouTube SoundCloud oh, yeah I'm sure we'll play again come somewhere to a gig. Um, and your own work is available on SoundCloud and SoundCloud, your solo stuff SoundCloud uh, the weird ones on Can't Cope on the Bandcamp or on you can watch the video that Mary made that's on YouTube still moving I also have videos on YouTube all under Rosalind's Dear I believe so. Hmm. Well, I'll just Google you and find all the details. Yeah, you Google me and you just find stuff from college. It's weird. Google's weird. What actually comes up? You get like canoeing stuff from when I was 16. <laughs> the weird scholarship I won in college. Me with glasses, like in front of a window. and like, <laughs> Young Ross. But yeah, no, Google harder. And, and you'll find <laughs> and it. And you'll find it all. Yeah, uh, well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. And I suppose get well soon, Owen, wherever you are. <laughs> He's just next door. Um, okay, thanks for listening, guys. Owen will be back next week, I presume. I've been Breed. Hope it's all been good for you. Breed's uh, been great. Breed's been great. This has just been no, a nice conversation on a Sunday evening, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been drinking tea. <laughs> drinking lots of tea. Okay, over now. Thanks, guys. Yeah.